Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio, as we continue our studies in the book of Revelation. We are in Revelation 14, and we're looking at the three messages proclaimed from mid-heaven for those dwelling on earth, both the believers and unbelievers, and these are God's three last warnings before the final judgments fall and the end comes. Last episode, we dealt with the first of the three messages, and now in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8, we have the second message. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen, is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of her impure passion. This is the second message, and it's about Babylon the Great. Now, just jumping ahead a few chapters, chapters 17 and 18 of the book of Revelation are about Babylon the Great. What we have here, very condensed into one verse, is what we are going to see in just a few chapters. This is a condensed version of it. And what we want to do particularly is identify who Babylon the Great is, because if we identify Babylon the Great properly, we'll have a proper view of the book of Revelation. So asking a question, why is the world empire called Babylon? Now, Babylon was like six centuries before St. John wrote this, the empire of Rome was in existence when John wrote this, but you should be aware that there are two schools of thought within Catholic biblical scholars in our day. And the one school of thought saying Babylon the Great refers to unbelieving apostate Jerusalem and Israel. And the other view is that Babylon the Great clearly refers to the Roman Empire. So you have these two views. If you look in the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, they'll actually give a, well, I, what shall I say, the case for each view in a fairly condensed form. And what they don't necessarily bring out is that if this is talking about apostate Jerusalem, it fits very nicely into the perspective called preterism or viewing that the book of Revelation is, is a historical document. It doesn't have a whole lot to do with perhaps what's going on in the present and especially the future. I held that view for a while because preterism, when you're only exposed to a futuristic view of the book of Revelation, seems to make a lot of sense. In other words, John was writing to the people in his day. He was writing to the seven churches that open up the book of Revelation. What I came to see is that once you see this valid historical approach to the book, to limit it at that is then to do damage to the text of the book of Revelation itself. I no longer hold that it's apostate Jerusalem. I think clear as a bell it's referring to Rome. And here are simply two of the 36 reasons why. 
and I've given you tons of reasons why the preterist, the extreme preterist approach is the inaccurate way to view the book of Revelation, no matter how popular it is at the current moment. But here it is. As I mentioned last time, Revelation chapters 12, 13, and 14 are a unit, a very important unit. And right in the middle of these three chapters, last week, or last time we saw in Revelation 13, the beast arising from the sea, and that was the Antichrist, and the beast rising from the sea was like a leopard, a bear, or a lion. Now, this is exceedingly clear where this comes from. This comes from the book of Daniel, and actually we know what chapter in Daniel it comes from. Chapter 7, the king Belshazzar, king of Babylon, the first of those four world empires in the book of Revelation. Daniel had a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed, and he wrote down the dream. The first beast he saw was like a lion in Revelation 13. The second beast was like a bear in Revelation 13. After that, a leopard, and then finally a fourth beast more terrible than the rest. This is referring to the Roman Empire, and then it speaks of a future uh, little king arise and taking dominion and causing great tribulation for the people of God. This is the Antichrist. But if you turn to Revelation 13, you see the beast rising out of the sea, having all of the characteristics kind of combined into one, and that's who the Antichrist is. The Antichrist isn't Babylon reincarnated like some people thought when we invaded Iraq, which was the seat of ancient Babylon, or it wasn't just ancient Rome. It was all of these put together. The Antichrist is going to be the composite of all the world's pagan idolatrous empires just pressed into one. And so what it's talking about is clearly a world empire, namely when it says Babylon the Great, Daniel was writing from Babylon. He was an Israelite, but he wasn't living in Israel. He was a a person who had been taken captive to Babylon. He was writing from Babylon. So why would John say Babylon? Well, you could say Rome and get your head cut off that much quicker if if obviously they wouldn't like to hear that there's another King Jesus, so you use a code word that everybody understands because Rome is like Babylon and Babylon is like Rome. Here's the second reason. I said I'd give you two of my 36 reasons because we've actually gone over quite a few in this series already. But in Revelation 14:8, Babylon is called Babylon the Great. Now, where did this phrase come from? Now, several biblical scholars point this out, but there's none better than Dr. Beale, B-E-A-L-E, whose expertise is the New Testament use of the Old Testament. Besides writing one of the best commentaries on the book of Revelation, his expertise is on the whole New Testament use of the Old Testament. And he'll tell us the exact verse from Daniel where this phrase Babylon the Great comes from, and it's from Daniel chapter 4 and verse 30. This is where the king of the first world empire said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty, proud 
powerful, idolatrous emperor. And this is where the phrase Babylon the Great comes from. And it's being declared that Babylon is fallen. This is a preview of what will happen before the end. And what's going on in Revelation 14 is a warning to those being sucked in to the world system. And it just says a few things about Babylon the Great. It's going to say many things in two whole chapters, Revelation 17 and 18, but it says this, she who made all nations drink the wine of her impure passion. I wish you could just join me for two seconds and see the Greek in this verse, because it reads like this, the wine of her passion of porneia, the Greek word from which the English word pornography comes from. Now, St. John wasn't talking about internet pornography. Obviously, it didn't exist. But what porneia stands for in Greek and what this verse is trying to say is this world system we're not to have anything to do with has a way of just like what the content of pornography is, all types of sexual immorality. And just know this, the sexual revolution, which a lot of people think is harmless, the sexual revolution is preparing the way for the worldwide deceptions of Babylon the Great and the Antichrist. Stay away from it. All right, here is the third message, and you have to get this clear, because your eternal soul and the lives of your children and grandchildren for all eternity, if you happen to be here in this time, and I have no idea if we will, but you know it, need to know exactly what to do. Another angel, a third followed, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image, and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he shall also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured unmixed into the cup of his anger. And he shall be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. And this is so, so important. You should not and you cannot worship any man other than Jesus Christ claiming to be God even if the consequence of refusing to do so is death, even the loss of your earthly goods, whatever it is, you absolutely cannot take the mark of allegiance to the beast. There is no forgiveness for those who do so. And even if some religious leaders say, hey, you know, it's okay, God will forgive you, don't, don't do it. Do not do it. If anyone worships the beast and receives the mark, he is going to be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels forever and ever, day and night, no rest. And let me be very clear. The wicked, along with the Antichrist and the false prophet, are going to be cast into hell, and they're not annihilated. They're not put out of their existence sometime after death or sometime after a temporary period of suffering. No, it's absolutely 
intense day and night. There's no days off from hell. It's intense, and it says fire and brimstone, and this comes straight from Genesis chapter 19. It denotes the horrific fire that descended on Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. That's where that phrase comes from. So let me just say this. Whoever says there's no hell is a liar, and whoever says there's no eternal punishment in hell is either deceived or a deceiver. This is straight from the Navarre Bible, and it says this, eternal punishment of the damned and eternal reward of the elect is a dogma of the faith solemnly defined by the magisterium in the Fourth Lateran Council, and there is going to be a perpetual punishment with the devil. Now, Steve, what do you, what do you say to those brilliant Catholic experts who are saying there's no eternity of hell. It's kind of popular today. Well, I don't have anything to say, but St. John did. It's from his closing words in the book of Revelation. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, and if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you have been listening to episode 110 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.